Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I am excited today. We have a special guest coming from the Washington area. And this individual has been in the real estate game for the last couple of years, really building up the portfolio, an awesome lead generator at the end of the day, a marketer that gets a ton of leads coming in. And he's going to be sharing his five top secret ways of getting off-market leads so that you guys can really scale up your business today and be able to make a ton off of it. So the greatest position by being an amazing marketer and getting like unlimited amount of awesome leads coming through the door is that you are at the strongest position, okay? Because you can simply wholesale any of these projects that you're not really interested in, make a quick, strong buck on top of your your ad spend. And then also you can do some cherry picks of fix and flips, some easy flips to make some big bucks on the market, or simply do the burst strategy and get passive income by cherry picking the best of the best. So there's a lot of awesome stuff with being an excellent marketer to get a ton of leads coming in. So you're definitely going to want to take notes on this one and then reach out to Dan afterwards. But without further ado, Dan, what is up, my friend? How are you today? I'm good. Just a snowy day up here in the Northwest. So I can't complain. I wish I was out skiing, but this is yeah. just as fun. So nice. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. So how much snow you guys got out there today? I've got about a foot at my house and it looks like we're supposed to get a bunch more over the next couple of days. So it's definitely good snow conditions for the winter sports. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to getting some snowboarding in this year. So that'd nice. be awesome. So anybody out there that doesn't know a little bit more about your story, who you are, where you're from, what you're up to, do you mind just sharing a little bit deeper view into that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to kind of give you my origin story. So really got into real estate, started in like 2016 and like Stepping back even further before that, I th- one of the reasons I think that I got into real estate was, you know, I was in the military, I'm a veteran, spent eight years in the army, kind of an exciting life. And then I stepped out of the military and got a degree in electrical engineering. So went from, you know, what I would say running and gunning overseas in combat to sitting behind a desk. Not, you know, good electrical engineering. It's not a, it's definitely not a bad career, but a little bit different pace than what I would call running and gunning. And so I was just looking for something more outside of my day job and really a way to build wealth. And so I bought a rental unit. It was actually a student rental and I started cash flowing right when I got it stabilized, like 800 bucks a month. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then just kind of doing the engineered stuff on it, looking at the math and the ROI. And I was like, I got to do this again. And kind of my initial thought was like, well, if I could just do this 10 times once every year, I'd be set up. This would be really cool. Thinking of it in a narrow view of like having a career as an engineer and then doing this thing on the side. And so the next year I did, I bought the house next door, turned it into a student rental. It was cash flow in a thousand bucks. And I was like, oh, this is even better. Let me do it again. And it got to a point to where buying deals off the MLS were just not really feasible. This was starting to get in like 2018, 2019. You can still do, and we still do it every once in a while, but it was just 
you're not going to get, you know, 10 units in 10 years that way. Also with the problem of, you know, having all that excess, not enough excess income to put the big down payment down, renovate it, and kind of just doing the slow burr strategy. And so I partnered up with my business partner to go off market. I didn't really know what off market meant at that point in time. I didn't realize the marketing machine we were going to build, but we just partnered up because we were both having the same issues. Like, Hey, we've got a decent amount of like motivation to build a portfolio. And at that point in time, we we're like, you could do this a lot faster than the way we were doing it, both of us individually. And so that's what we did. We partnered up in 2019, end of 2019, and really started going gung-ho in 2020, which was like a weird year to start a business for anybody, you know, COVID and all that sort of stuff. And we didn't know what we didn't know. So we just kept going forward. We had a, like a little bit of a slow start as we built up our systems and our machines. But now looking back, 2021 was a, you know, awesome year for us. We did, I think like 50 wholesale deals added, like I think 20 doors was the total door count we added and generated a pile of cash flow. did a handful of fix and flips. And so now that's kind of what we're doing. We're just going all the way all in on it. And the business is flourishing right now. It's been great. I love it, man. So why real estate for you? Like I said, initially it was like, let me build some extra wealth because I had this vi- in this vision in my mind of like, oh, I've got this career and you know, this is what you do. You work in a in a field for 30 years and you retire. But like there was this itch of like freedom that I wanted. And it kind of goes back to my time in the military and recognizing like how short life can be and yeah. the the challenges and struggles that you know are in front of you in life. And then, you know, recently, the last couple of years, I started realizing that it's freedom. And it's not just like financial freedom. Like we talk about, man, if I had a pile of money, I'd be free. But you know, I've cashed six-figure checks and felt the same exact way as I did the day before. So it wasn't like that financial freedom was the only piece. The other freedom is is like the freedom to do what I want to do and and the freedom to not like work in a corporate environment where somebody else can wreck my day and tell me that I'm not. Right, I'm not a good fit, or I'm not. You know, you're not going to ever make it to this point because you don't fit in this box. It's okay if you don't fit in that box. It's like okay, so go create your own box, is what I'm saying, and have that freedom to grow and shrink your box as you please. That's so so good. I can definitely relate with that. It's like the whole fitting into somebody else's box, and mm-hmm. you're capped at a certain point, or you'll yep. never be able to make it. And they're really just putting a damper on your parade and holding you back. And then it's like, you know what? Enough's mm-hmm. enough. I know there's something bigger and better out there for me. I'm going to go make my own box. Yeah. And and don't, That's and like my, yeah. And my attitude is like, don't put it on somebody else's box to make you happy. Like, you know what, if you don't fit there, that's okay. Or if that in the long term isn't what you want, like go create it or go somewhere yeah. else and, you know, find a box that you fit into. I know we're using this weird box, but it's, that's really what it is in life. And don't get kind of stuck on that treadmill. Everybody has so much potential to go and create. And you don't even have to be a thousand percent passionate about what you're creating. You just need to go and create for yourself and having that mindset of having freedom, whatever that freedom means to you. Yeah. Yeah, guys, don't let anybody else's limitations be put onto you for your life, your goals, what God really has envisioned for you. So I love that. Cool. Let's talk about your partner for a second. I think finding the right partner um, is like crucial, but why a partner for you? And how did you guys meet? Like, why did you guys look at each other and we're like, all right, this is something that we should actually start entertaining? Yeah. So my partner, I actually met in college and we both got our electrical engineering degrees together, but we didn't really like work together after that. He moved to the other side of the state and I was working here. 
anyhow, he, he ended up moving back to this side of the state and he just pulled the cord and said, I'm done with corporate America. I'm, you know, he just built the parachute on the way down and didn't have any plan. And so he just stumbled into real estate. He was actually one of my first tenants as he moved back. I said, yeah, you can live in this unit for like six months while I finish the renovations up and give you a good place to land. And so he saw me doing that. And then as he, you know, was building the parachute on the way down, he stumbled, like I said, stumbled into real estate and said, I just need some cash flow. I need something to sustain my life, at least for now, while I figure it out. And then realized the just the the potential in that. And at the same time, I was slowly realizing the potential. And when we came together, it was started out as like, hey, like we're both doing the same thing. Let's come together. And at that time, I still had a W-2 income, which meant I was lendable. He yeah. was not. And that's kind of a huge thing. And so that was yeah. like an initial pairing of like, oh, you're lendable. Okay. But beyond that, what our partnership has grown into and why it works so well is that we complement each other. He's a little more aggressive. I'm a little more conservative. And then when it comes down to running and operating a business, he's definitely a big visionary. We're both in the visionary category, but I'm far more of an implementer than he is. So I like to integrate the systems and keep the wheels on the bus. And he can kind of be that visionary and looking forward and trying some things while I'm kind of making sure that we can still keep going forward as a business. And then I would also add like one thing that's made us successful where we've seen other people kind of fail is the ego issue. Like if you're an entrepreneur and you want to start a business, like you want it to be your thing and and that that sort of stuff. But like for us, you know, we kind of see it as our thing and put egos aside. You know, if if you make a mistake, oh well, like we've both made mistakes that's cost us thousands of dollars. That happens. That's just part of the minutia. And it doesn't have to be my idea or it doesn't have to be his idea that goes forward. It's like, what's the best idea for the company? And you know what? If it, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Yeah, I love that. I really do think that it's so important to identify each person's like personality types, their wants, their drives. Like you said, putting the ego aside, but also writing down like who's responsible for what and how is this going to be like an even trade so that you guys are growing together. At the end right. of the day, like when you write down the list of who's doing what, you don't want it to be like lopsided and one person's yeah. doing like 10 things, the other person's mm-hmm. doing three or four, you know, so you got to make it even. But I think complementing each other's personality types is huge. As long as you guys can still get along, make sure that, you know, you guys are level-headed people to be able to grow the company. Totally. And and that's important. What you said too, is like writing down who's responsible for what. Cause like when we first started, like we thought we knew, like we had this whole matrix of who's going to do what, but it ended up, we were both doing everything and we both weren't doing everything good. Right. And so what we did was we finally found our natural fit, which is also why we partnered up was I'm really uh, knowledgeable on the the fix and flip side, the property stabilization side, all that sort of stuff. And he's kind of like a tech guy. So like we use a lot of you know technology for our business. And so he can figure that stuff out really fast, especially on the marketing side. And so naturally with the way our lives are set up and our schedules are set up, I kind of fell into kind of like the stabilization, the fix and flips, running the operations of our business. And he kind of fell into really running the marketing. So he grabs something out of thin air and throws it over to me and I figure out what to do with it. And so that has worked well. But in the beginning, like I said, we were both trying to do everything and nothing was getting done. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So when you guys started the partnership, how long did it... I know this was just about a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. And so right in the midst of things, how long did it really take for you guys to get maybe your first deal or... Uh, really start seeing like the the compound effect mm-hmm. from it. 
Yeah, that's that is a great story in itself. It took us six months before we actually like did a wholesale and it was like a $7,500 fee. And we were like, we were standing in front of a property we had just bought. Um, and we got this wholesale fee and we like high five, right? We're like, Oh yeah, this is so great, dude. This is, I can't believe we made only six months and lots of money. Like we spent quite a bit of money just trying to get to that deal. And it was just the minutia of partnership, minutia of figuring the system out. And what it really came down to was we just weren't great at the sales piece. Like we're both electrical engineers. <clears throat> we could do the data. We could do the systematizing. Like we knew all that sort of stuff, but the sales just wasn't our strong suit. So, you know, we were going and running appointments. You know, I'd run one, he'd run one. And again, we were going back to, we were both doing everything and not doing anything good. But then once we finally caught that, like, we're like, okay, so this is possible. We can do this. And then we got some coaching and really the coach was like, okay, so you guys are doing really good at leads. Like you can generate leads. You're getting all this stuff coming into your business. I think you guys just suck at the sales piece, yeah. right? And so we hired it out. We hired our first acquisitions manager and she came in and knocked out seven deals in a month. And so we realized at that point, like let's do what we do best and then hire out the rest. And that's what we've done to get in that groove. And so now we have a team that uh, does pretty much so all of the things that we don't want to do or don't have time to do or that we aren't good at. And then we just stick to what we're good at. I love that. That's so smart. Why constantly spend all this time and energy into something that you're not good at, you're not passionate yeah. about, like all these mm -hmm. other things that yep. is not really pushing the needle ahead here. Exactly. So when it comes down to that, that position, did you find somebody with experience already? How did you hire that out? Right. Yeah. So we actually hired someone that didn't have experience in real estate or sales. It was kind of funny how it worked out, but she had a lot of motivation and looked like, you know, it just seemed like she would do well. And that's kind of how we hired it. And then we pivoted away from her in the middle of last year and hired another acquisitions manager who had sales experience, a younger guy, motivated, wanted to get into real estate. And so we kind of found that as a good fit for us because he didn't necessarily have the real estate background, but he had the passion to learn. But his combined with the sales background really helped bring it together. And he's doing, he's a rock star for us. He even he started his first flip. He's he's in the the trenches right now doing a flip. So he's, I mean, he is like full blown into this deal. I love it. And really it wasn't about like having to be a rock star at sales or they have 10 years of experience in real estate. It was like, is this a good fit for our business? And that's how we've always hired. We have a really awesome team right now. Yeah. I love what you, you mentioned. It's like, I didn't get the expert originally. And mm -hmm. even though now you have somebody with sales experience, they had mm -hmm. no background for real estate, you know, right. they, but they had the passion, they had the drive, mm -hmm. they had the work ethic, right? Yep. I always imagined for the longest time until we actually started hiring, that I need to pay for the expert. I need right. the expert in here. Yep. But if you think about it, they are trained in one way. Like mm -hmm. they've been trained somewhere else to become the expert in their field. They have the experience, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to align with the culture that you're building, mm -hmm. right? And the way yep. you do things. So yep. um, as long as you can find somebody with drive, no experience, then and you know can run with it and take action, then I mean, you can see some yep. of the best results. 
Yeah. And as long as they're willing to learn, you know, yeah. that's what matters. And, you know, there is definitely that mantra of like, you know, you get what you pay for, yeah. but at the same time you hit on the nail on the head is that culture. We have a great culture in our company and we're hiring first for culture. And that for us has been huge. It's just taken us to the next level because now our team is working together and all motivated to make each other successful as opposed to, Hey, I'm the rock star real estate person. I should be getting this or getting that. It's like, no, we're the rock star real estate team. Team, yeah, yep. that's so good. So, talk to me about the five steps of getting off market leads. I know a lot of yep. people honestly are struggling with that aspect of getting the right. leads, especially in such a hot market like this. So, yep. how the heck are you guys doing it? Yeah, so I'll I'll go right through the whole from start to finish. It's it's actually pretty simple. It takes some grit and some you know consistency. You got to show up every day. But we put out an ebook on this, and I really think like at a high level, like this is exactly what you got to do. And it's like step one, you got to find your farm area. Like, where are you looking for leads? And this is important because some people think, well, I'm in an expensive market, so I don't think I want to do it here. Like you hear a lot of folks out of California not wanting to do it. Although I do know successful people in California that find off-market leads. It's just, you might not have the quantity you're looking for, but you might have bigger wins, you know, say you're in Southern California, but really it's find that farm area. So for us, you know, our market where we're at was perfect for what we're doing, we, you know, up here in Eastern Washington. And then we expanded out to Knoxville, Tennessee as well. So we're doing both, you know, on-site and virtual. And so I think it doesn't matter where your farm area is at. We looked at it. We look at several different statistics when we're going out, you know, virtually to see like, is this market going to, you know, produce what we want? And then after that, once you're like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, in Knoxville or I'm going to be in Texas or wherever that's at, then you just got to pull your data and figure out. And so what you're looking at for off-market deals is you're looking at, you know, primarily for distressed sellers or like tired landlords, people that would likely want to sell. And you do that through data. And for us, we use PropStream for most of all of our data pooling, which is just a software program. You can, you know, it's a web-based program. You just pay a monthly fee. And it's great because you can help use that to pull your comps when you're running deals, but also you can pull down lists. And so you say, hey, I want to know like, in this this zip code, who would likely be willing to sell? Well, probably people with liens against them, people that are maybe in pre-foreclosure, or maybe someone that's a landlord. And landlords have been big the last couple of years because they had tenants that maybe weren't paying and they're like, hey, I just want out. So you get that tired landlord list. You just kind of go through, there's a bunch of different lists and, it, and it's market dependent on what kind of what your market's producing at that time. But once you have that farm area and then you've got that data. Now it's time to set up your CRM. Most people would say, go right to marketing. But if you don't have a customer relationship management system, which, you know, and if you don't use it properly, you're going to fail or waste money. So we didn't use it properly when we first started. And what we did was we burned a lot of money in marketing and burned a lot of leads. And so we use RE Simply. And that's a great system because we can record all of our calls. We can take notes. We can see all this sort of stuff that's in like, focused on our lead specifically, because there's nothing worse than like a lead calling you and you think you're just going to pick up your phone and answer it and know exactly what to say. No. So that just doesn't work well. And so what they do, our CRM has phone numbers in it. So we can call in and out of that CRM. We can forward that to our cell phone if we're not at the desk, of course. 
And so what happens though, is it comes into our CRM and we can track that lead. And like a good statistic is we know from lead coming in to us closing that deal is 47 days. So when we're sending out marketing, we know there's probably a 47 day lag before we're starting to see money coming in. And those are important statistics as well as like what type of marketing is working well for you, which campaign that lead was tagged to. So you can kind of double down in certain areas, but really that CRM, picking a CRM, we've always had already simply, there's others out there. Um, but that that's key for you to manage your leads and squeeze the most out of your leads. Because when you're spending money, like you want to get the best ROI on each dollar spent. And to okay. do that, you need to know where you're spending your money, first of all, and what's the most fruitful, but also as you're spending it, like just squeezing the juice out of each lead. And also just cutting things off that isn't producing fruit, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like, Having the CRM allows you to have strong KPIs and be able to keep track of everything. And like you said, not waste money on the marketing. It's one Mm -hmm. of the notorious things that everybody screws up in the very beginning. I know I did. Oh yeah. And I love how you, you're like the first person that actually like puts (laughs) that into, it's really systemizing your business. And and it's so crucial if you want to do anything right. Right. Yeah. And if you're going to build a system for your business, the CRM is the one, like that's your foundation and have that in there. Because like I said, we failed in it, not doing it right. And now we're finally in a spot. And especially when you have multiple different employees working within your system, having that single point of contact for all of your leads and all of your information. Awesome. And you can coach your employees on it, right? Because you can listen to phone calls and you can say, Hey, we need to follow up on these tasks and do these sorts of things because- leads coming in and following up with leads is where you make your money. Yeah. It's totally mandatory, especially if you're having employees. It's like, what are you doing yeah. without it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is not the place to use an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the yeah. Place. yeah, exactly. That's so right. yeah. So once you the third, third part, yep. right? Okay. Yep. So then number four is really just choosing your marketing channel. How are you going to market? How are you going to get those leads into your CRM? So you know where you're marketing, you know who you're going to market to. Now, what are you going to do? You've got you know, direct mail, you've got cold calling, SMS, SEO, Google, you know, pay-per-click, um, Facebook, all these different channels. We specialize in direct mail. We've done, you know, and we do cold calling, we do other marketing channels, but like our bulk of our marketing goes to direct mail. I would like to say that we've kind of built up an expertise in direct mail, not only just from like the data we're pulling to send the mail, but the the different campaigns we're using. Like, how do we do this? Like, cause you could, you know, the old school way was like blast the, you know, 10,000 yellow letters out and see what comes back and then blast another 10,000 out. And you're not really building a story or building a marketing plan within that lead set. So, you know, if you have a tired landlord, they may not be wanting to sell on that first letter. And in fact, sometimes we have, you know, I would say on average, you know, seven to 10 touch points with a lead before we close them. We've had it up to like 18 months and 18 mailings before we get them. So that's maybe $18 you spend on that lead, but you just made 18 grand when you wholesale that deal. Right. And so if you don't have a good marketing plan to do that, then you're, you're going to be churning your wheels. And so, like I said, we specialize in um, direct mail, um, but we also layer on. So if you think about it as like a funnel, we layer on our cold calling. We don't do SMS, but we, you know, we definitely understand and know what's going on there. We just haven't chosen that channel. We definitely have an online presence. We you know, search engine optimization, you know, Google pay-per-click, we do some Facebook stuff. And those leads are interesting because it's really hard to like forecast. But when you get a Facebook lead or a website lead, it's like, jump on it. That's a hot lead. You're going to close it just like that. Exactly. In some markets, like I have friends that are out there, that's all they do. 
is online advertisements and they kill it. They slay it. just in our market. It just hasn't worked out for us. So that's also something you got to understand of what's going on in your marketing when you choose your marketing channel. And you might not know right out the gate, but you can certainly try sending out a batch of letters and see what happens. I guarantee if you send out 5,000 letters, you're going to get phone calls. Guarantee yeah. it. Like no doubt about it. And then what you do with those leads is up to you on the sales side. Yeah. And don't be surprised if some of those aren't happy. Phone right. Call. <laughs> exactly. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's you okay. get, that's yeah. okay. You know? Yep. Exactly. You get those leads that are like, F you get out of here. You get those uh, leads that, home. you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's just, that's just part of the business. I mean, think about any other marketing you get, like, you know, sometimes like for me, if I get marketing from a door and window company, in my mailbox, I just throw it away. Other yeah. people call them and say, don't ever send me a letter again. You know, you got to understand that you're marketing to somebody that's going through life problems. Like you're the problem solver in this situation and you're hitting them at some of their worst times in life. So to make it a win-win, you got to break through and you got to have some tough skin because the first words that come out of their mouth might not be the nicest, but who knows, maybe it can turn into something sexy at the end of the day. And don't, what I would say for advice on this is, um, you don't need to fight for the deal. Right. Like the deals that are going to really pan out are usually the, like almost a lay down deal. You right. know, it's like, they're not going to curse you out right away. And yeah. they're open yeah. to talk to you for yeah. 30, 40 minutes. And it might be as easy as that when you yeah. go through the numbers of mm-hmm. trial and error, you know? Yep. Yeah. And it's something you got to learn by doing. And like what we do is, you know, we're looking at our, our leads as kind of like a portfolio of, of people that could buy their house. And so, if they come in and they're kind of like a little bit, you know, weird or a little bit aggressive, but we're like, this person has to sell their house. No hand, like they have to. Okay. So we're going to follow up. But if they're just like a pain in the ass and we're like, you know, this guy said he wants a million dollars for his house and he's yelling at us and it's really only worth 200. No, we're not going to waste time with that lead. But if we're like, they're going to foreclose on the first of the month and we, you know, in three weeks, if they don't we'll sell, up. yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to follow up because like they need to, and we need to help them understand that because sometimes a lot of these folks, they don't get it. You're like, how did you even buy a house, let alone get into this position? You know, and so yeah, definitely got to look at your leads through different lenses depending on what what they're kind of indicating on their different lists. Yeah. I wanted to mention something. You said uh as many as seven to ten touch points typically with the direct yeah. mail marketing, that's your hottest yeah. market yeah. or lead generator. And then 18 months it can take. You yeah. Know? How powerful is that of, uh, there's no instant gratification in this yeah, yeah, you know, it's exactly. like, you know, it's, yeah. it's going to take, you know, six months for the first deal, right. potentially it could take yeah. up to 18 months. Yep. You know, yep. It could is, be. This is one of those businesses that it's like, you don't want to give up too early and mm-hmm. you got to have the tough skin to actually withstand the time because right. you could be three feet from gold. Like you could be right there. It's so true. Like there's been times where we've almost shut off a marketing channel and all of a sudden, boom, a $15,000 wholesale deal comes in. And so you definitely like right now we're testing a new set of cold callers and we're about to hit month three. Like we kind of want to quit now because we're like, gosh, I don't know if this is producing what we want, but we always give ourselves three months on a new marketing channel to figure it out. Because, you know, like I said, some markets will do killer on SMS and yes. some won't. It's not it's the system that's bad. It might be, it's just not aligning with your market and the timing. And so you want to give yourself a little bit of a run to understand because yeah, like you said, it could take time. And like, I'll go back to that 18 month, the deal that we took 18 months, like we would have never guessed, but they called back in and then we talked to them. We had good conversations and they literally, we just, we close on it in a couple of weeks. It's a great deal. We bought it for, I think, 
we're going to close on it for like 335. It's actually a, um, a duplex. Like essentially it's like a single family home in an A-class area with a ADU on the back. And so we could rent it out here locally as a duplex, or we could sell it or whatever we want to do kind of as a two unit property, but picking it up at 335 as is right now. And it's A-class neighborhood, it's ARV 600. And so the, the biggest reason why the people wanted to sell to us and weren't sure what to do and they procrastinated was they wanted somebody to let them live there for like a month afterwards. And we're like, sure, you can do that. That's not a big deal. But I mean, you think about that spread and it wasn't like it was, you know, lots of tons of work over 18 months. It was like, hey, let's just follow up with this person. Oh, and then they would call back in, shoot them a text. And all of a sudden it's just like, boom, 18 months later, you get it. And then you do get some of those, like they call in and the same day you sign a contract. But for us, that didn't happen. It took us six months to get that first contract. So, yeah. you know, you know, we're not the uh, homeless to millionaire guys. We're like showed up every day and then became millionaires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like put in the grind. Yeah, exactly. For 18 months and then, yeah. uh, I don't know, you know, yeah, exactly. super successful out of nowhere, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. You know, you yeah. mentioned something about choosing the marketing channel and basically the location, like your farm area. Yeah. Cold calling can be amazing in certain locations. Yep. Direct mail marketing can be a blast in certain yep. other areas, yep. you know, whatever it may be, pay-per-click. But I think identifying that, right? There might be a lot of new listeners just mm -hmm. tuning in today that are like, hey, you know, I, I heard direct mail marketing is the best from Dan yep. or, yep. Uh, you know, I saw this guru on TV the other day mm -hmm. or somebody that's yep. saying, hey, this is what you need to do. Show up to the auctions, you know, or mm -hmm. whatever, you know? Right, and yep. And it might not work out in that area. So mm -hmm. you got to try, you got to figure out, you know, yep. network with other investors within mm -hmm. your area to see, hey, what is working right. in our backyard of this yep. target area, right? Yeah. How did you guys figure out direct mail marketing was good for you guys? So in one way, I guess, to think about your marketing channel too, is like, what is your normal day-to-day? -day? That's kind of how we picked direct mail. So with direct mail, you can push it out and then they'll call back in, right? Yeah. And we were both working while well, I was working a W-2 job. And so for me, being on the phones all day is just wasn't going to work. If you can be more active in your business, maybe you start out with cold calling because you can blast a lot of area, like a large you know, zip code area in a shorter period of time for a lower cost. I wouldn't say that like you should only look at the cost and go with the cheapest one because that's not necessarily going to work for you. But you hit the nail on the head as well of like talk to people in your market. Like if you're hearing like a ton of radio ads for wholesalers or TV ads, I guarantee you that channel is working in your market that you do not, you see like one person, we have like one person doing it in our market. And when we talk to him, it's like, yeah, no, it doesn't work. I wasted a bunch of money, but he paid for a year of it. So it's still playing. So talking to people helps you understand that channel, but then also just observing it, right? If you're a, already a property owner and you're getting a ton of letters, that's probably a fruitful venue for those folks. Otherwise they wouldn't be sending those letters in that market. But also back to what I was saying earlier is you may want to pick a channel that is conducive to your day-to-day. -day. Like if you're working a day job, direct mail might be your better solution. Or if you can you know, scale and set up a cold calling system, that could work for you too if you have people and staff working for you because the different leads, they have like this, this eroding like value time, right? Like, you know, if it comes in on a cold call, 
like quickly it falls off a text message, same thing. Those, those leads quickly fall off and they, you might've caught them in like a good moment where they're like, you know what, F and I'm going to sell my house or I want to see what these people want. But if you don't call them back right away, they're going to slowly decay as far as a quality lead goes where direct mail or they're calling you. And so they usually have a little bit longer of a decay period. And that's just kind of something to pay attention to with when you're setting up your channel, like how responsive can you be to these leads and how well can you work it? Because if you can be on it, you know, you might want to start out with cold calling just to blast a large area. But if, if you're just starting out and not sure what you want to do and you don't have all the systems in place, direct mail marketing is usually like a better system for, for people coming into it. That's kind of our experience anyways. Yeah. I love that. And I think you hit something on the head there too, for the simple fact of the motivational level, you know, mm-hmm. especially with direct mail marketing, um, some homeowners like sellers, they, they might collect all the mail and, and really yeah. be piling up. And then they're going to go when they are ready, they might go down the list to try mm-hmm. to talk to all you guys. So whoever mm-hmm. answers first, you know, that yep. could be the home run. So you want to be kind of as proactive yep. as possible and jump on those calls or have somebody assigned for that so that you're not losing that momentum and totally. you're, you're getting on the phone. with. Agree. Guys. Yeah. We have a mantra within our company. It's speed to lead, speed yeah. to lead. Yep. That's good. <laughs> Yep. So talk to me about in your area for Washington, as well as I believe Knoxville, Tennessee, yep. direct mail marketing is doing the best for you guys. What does that look like for you? What type of mail are you guys sending out? That's like your sure. bread and butter. Is it a postcard, yellow? So we have kind of a layered system and we do all. And so we use a couple different mail houses, but we've got, po- we do postcards we do handwritten as well. I mean, a couple different versions of handwritten, a couple different versions of postcards. Some of our postcards will send out with offers on them already and all sorts yeah. of stuff. Yep. And automated handwriting, right? Like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I am definitely at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We're sending, you know, 10, 50,000 letters out a month. We are not handwriting. We use the robots. Yeah. 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 So. so just know that guys, there's software out there, there's mm-hmm. systems out there that yep. it looks handwritten, but it's a computer. You know, basically like a, robot. Taking a robot, yeah, yeah. taking yeah. a pen and writing it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so we like, we've kind of tested and retested, spent a lot of money trying to figure out what works for us. And, and we're yeah. always kind of testing and retesting. But, um, you know, when you look at it, those letters all have a different price to them too. Right. Sure. And so a postcard is usually the cheapest. You get into the, the handwritten letter with a nice envelope that usually gets into the more expensive. And so we kind of map out our leads based on like, if it's a super lead, like it's got, it hits multiple lists versus as eh, an absentee owner with 50% equity, they may or may not be super motivated. Motivated. Um, and so we kind of map basically our cost of marketing based on the, the hot, the, how hot a lead is. Okay. So, and how often are you sending the letters? So we're in a groove now where we're doing a dump every single week. So we try not to do like we used to do monthly and we've done multiple different variations of this, but now for consistency, because what we're doing in our business is driving consistency without overwhelming our staff, because we don't want to burn leads because they're running appointments and can't follow up. And so what we do is, yeah, weekly dumps just consistently. So, you know, 50, 50, 52 weeks this year, you're going to see a a mail dump from us every week. And that's the same location, same address each week? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we, so we do it, we, we, we pull our data and we'll have, depending on which kind of letter, which kind of lead is getting, but yeah. And not all of the same addresses will get hit 52 times. So what we'll do is we'll look at what zip codes we're going to hit within our geographic region. So for example, in Spokane, we have multiple different zip codes that we market to specifically. And so then we'll be hitting, we'll be hitting those. So we won't hit 
Like we have lots of leads we could hit from our data, but we're not going to hit them all the time, all at once, because that would be over. It would be a couple hundred grand. It'd be a couple couple hundred grand every uh, every week. We I don't think we could afford that. (laughs) And you guys are currently sending out ten to fifteen thousand per month. You know, so what that tells you guys is like, don't be shy of getting your marketing budget up to be able to really hit the masses. Because over time, you'll see the numbers, you'll, you'll see the KPIs, you'll see the CRM all really mm-hmm. take shape of what, like how many you need to send out to get mm-hmm. how many leads, like yeah. what the funnel truly looks like yes. to be able to get how many deals, you know? Yeah. And that's huge because you're what we found mm-hmm. and like where a lot of people fail is they send out a batch and they don't get anything. And so they get upset or they go through a marketing channel, they don't get any deals and they get upset yeah. and they turn it off. And what you're really looking at is you're looking at, hey, I sent out this many letters. These were our leads. These were our appointments. These were our deals. And really getting, if you want to have four deals a month, one a week, like you need to kind of step back through your KPIs and look at what do I need to be mailing? Now, more mail doesn't always make things better because you could saturate a market too much with your mail and it's it's not going to be a one for one, right? Hey, I send this many letters, I get this many deals. So you always have to monitor that because it is kind of like a scale where it doesn't just keep going up. So you you it kind of caps. There's like a level oh, yeah. that where it caps, we're sending any more mail is more of a waste of money. Yeah. And that's where like the trial and error and having the system in place to be able to track everything, you'll be able to know what's not working, what do I need to cut off, what do I need to dump more money into. Yeah. For example, like over in Tennessee, it could like the no, I guarantee it, the numbers are completely different than San oh, yeah. Diego. You know, San oh, yeah. Diego, it takes seven to like 10 grand to get one deal yeah. on average. And that just comes down to the marketing piece. So if you mm-hmm. spend two to three, five thousand, you might not get anything. Right. And then you're looking at yourself and your partner, like, you know, like what, yeah. what's yep. going on here? And you're that close. You need to double up on the budget mm-hmm. to be able to, to get these leads in. Right. Exactly. And paying attention to that. That's also where the CRM comes in. And for us with RE Simply, it does track our KPIs for us. And so that's huge. It's not just like it used to be, you could send out a 10,000 yellow letters and get a ton of deals. It's just there's it's more competitive. It's more sophisticated now. It's it's a full-on industry right now on the off-market stuff. Yeah, that's good. I love it. But there's nothing better. You know, that's where you want to be. You want to be in the position of off-market discounted power position. You know, once it's in contract and you, you have that contract. That's mm-hmm. the strongest position uh, next to being the bank, you know, it's exactly it's, it hand in hand. You're right. So, if you want to grow a business, having, you keep saying it, it's like being in the off-market business and being that lead generator, everybody's feeding off of you, right? Oh yeah. Fix and flippers, other investors that just want buy and hold your own business. I mean, you are kind of at the head of the food chain and it's a good spot to be in. Yeah. And for even just yourself, it's like being doing the fix and flip or mm-hmm. really creating the generational wealth, the passive yep. income, mailbox money, yep. getting yep. the burst strategies or long-term rentals, Airbnb. Yep. Talk to me about that that last one, uh, number five. Yeah. So number five is like simple. And I, I kind of split this into two parts. It's not written this way in the ebook, but it's just start talking to people. And I will just step back and start with some of the people you should be talking to is your local investor group. Because if you're going to get leads, you need to know somebody that you can sell it to. And also those people can help you. Like we joint venture on deals all the time. Like don't think of other wholesalers or other people in your market as competition. Think of them like as a family and you're going to save each other's butts. Cause like we've came across deals where we're competing with other wholesalers and we're like, Hey, like, let's just joint venture. Let's not bid this thing up to where there's no profit margin. Let's buy it at what it's worth. And then we'll just split the profit. So we do that, but also 
like if we're hungry for a deal, like say, hey, we just bought a bunch of burrs and nothing was flipping and we want to flip, we can go to another wholesaler and be like, hey, can you hook us up? We need a flip. We want to do something or yeah. vice versa. They're going to come to you. And so you kind of have this family of folks and then you learn from each other as well. So those are one of the groups of people. But the other is just following up with your leads. Get out there and talk to people, get on the phone and, and like speed to lead. And then also the follow-up. And that's where your CRM comes into play and be able to set follow-up tasks. So I'll just give you one snippet of a task we have in there. So when a lead comes in, we have a lead manager and his job is basically to schedule an appointment. So if a lead comes in, whether it's from a cold call lead or from a direct mail lead, he is going to call that person you know, twice a day for two weeks until he gets them on the phone or scheduled an appointment. So super aggressive. And if he doesn't, then we put them into a drip campaign where automatically text follow-up, they get automatically followed up with every you know month and just say, Hey, we know you were interested at this point in time. Do you want to, you know, talk to us again about your property or whatever, you know, the messages and so follow up. And then it's every step of the way in our CRM, it's like, you know, lead comes in, we've talked to the lead, we schedule an appointment all through that. We have different follow-up sequences because you've got to talk to people and you got to have people on your staff or yourself that want to talk to people that can get out there and are hungry to, to close that deal, to get on the phone because nothing worse than losing money, you know, cause you can, you know, for us, our cost per deal is about $3,000 in our home market. And so when you're bringing in leads, you can also look at cost per lead. Is it a hundred bucks? Is it 50 bucks? And so every time you miss one that increases your cost per deal a little bit. And so you're trying to, you know, make your machine as efficient as possible and squeeze out the ROI on your marketing channel. Yeah. Fine tune it. I yep. love it. Yep. I mean, twice a day for two weeks, is it aggressive? I don't know. I, I think it's exactly what is needed, right? Like right, that's, yeah. that's what's getting yeah. the results. Yeah. So whether you want that paycheck or not, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. And you, and you might burn some people. Like if you called me twice a day for two weeks, you'd burn me. Like I would just be like block. Right. Yeah. But I'll, that's where you're you digging know it's in. not a deal, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But then there's the people in there, like we talked about earlier, that like you just know they need to sell their house, but they're in some sort of distress situation. And so they're not able to make the decision because they have a lot of other things going on in their life. They have a lien on their house. They're going into foreclosure. They're getting divorced. Like, yeah, they're having a hard time making decision because there's so much decision fatigue in their life and they don't know what to do. So then if, once we get them on the phone, then, because obviously at some point they raised their hand at some level and said, I think I talked to you. And so in that whole murky mess of their life, they might pick up the phone and say, okay, yeah, I'm ready to talk. And so that's why we kind of follow up aggressively because, you know, yeah, you might burn some leads that were probably unmotivated anyways, but you're getting at that motivated person who's going to be a much more fruitful sale for your business than the unmotivated person that's going to waste your time. Yeah, that's so good. And guys, you should really take pride in this because at the end of the day, it's like, you, I mean, the day-to-day life for every individual can be mm-hmm. tough enough, right? Like driving, yeah. getting cut off or whatever it may be, but somebody going through the heart, uh, heartache of a, a death in the family or a breakup that they've mm-hmm. been with forever or whatever it may be, the lean against property, finances, you know, a mess, you're really finding somebody at a low point in their life. So meet right. them where they're at help out be the the servant leader basically yep. to make it a win-win situation pull them out of the dust and really help them with their decision making by educating and absolutely that's, that's where the results will will take place um, what i've noticed over time is that like it really just comes down to the homeowners want to deal with the person that is going to make them feel the most comfortable 
the no mm-hmm. like and trust factor kicks yeah. in when you spend more time uh, investing in the individual and, and helping out. They don't necessarily always care about the price point. You know, if they connect yep. with you for one reason or another, that can be yep. that can be it. You know. Yep. 100%. Yeah. And we, like we get creative where a real estate agent can't typically get this creative, but you're right. The top dollar to top, you know, the top line is not that important to them because they may need to say, Hey, I want to move. My house is falling apart. I've got all these problems, but I can't leave. I need money. And so we'll front people money before closing to get them to, you know, get a moving truck or whatever they need, or, you know, they're, they just don't even know how to handle the situation they're in. And we're the ones helping inform them and coach them of like, okay, so this is what all the, this, these documents saying that you're going to lose your house mean. And this is what the timeline is and what it's looking like where not many other people in the industry are able to provide that same service to them. Cause they're like, yeah, it looks like you're gonna lose your house. Sorry, bud. You yeah. know, <laughs> I don't know you what know? to do. You yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And that's not necessarily a win-win by not educating yep. them properly. So exactly. I, I love what you guys are doing. So that's the five steps guys. I mean, yep. that's, that's awesome. That's breakthroughs right there. I know I took a ton of notes and it's going to help us out in our business. I'm sure the listeners did exactly the same. If you guys are driving right now, obviously pull over or you can hit the replay later yeah. on and yeah. take notes. But, but with that being said, I mean, you just gave an hour of your time to mm-hmm. myself and the audience. Is there anything that we could do to give back to you? Yeah, just really just reach out. We do have a podcast we just started and we're talking. This is what we do is we talk about all this sort of stuff. We talk about the day-to-day life of a wholesaler, a fix and flipper, a landlord, because we're all of those things. And it's kind of a fun podcast for us just to talk about that stuff. But we also really do dig into these nuggets and, and trying to help people, you know, develop their skills and get into the business. So if, come give us a like and a follow, you know, and the podcast is Collecting Keys podcast, which is on all your platforms, collectingkeyspodcast.com or, and hit me up on Instagram. I love that. That's probably the best place to get a hold of me, which is Investor Man Dan on Instagram. And yeah, reach out, DM me if you have questions. If you're just starting out or you're in this and you're trying to figure out some like little thing, hit us up. Happy to coach with you and, and mentor you and, and give you anything I've learned. Because like I said, we spent a lot of money trying to figure this stuff out. And we're in a spot where we feel like we can convey that information back to people confidently. So I love it. So Investor Man Dan on yeah. IG, and then check out Collecting Keys podcast. I'm really intrigued to see what you guys are up to on that end as yeah. well. Um, but with that being said, guys, I appreciate each and every one of you guys for tuning in, listening, subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and just always showing the love, sharing it out to people. If you guys want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's going to be Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you need any credit repair done for you services, then you can check out creditrepairmobile.com. And then if you're interested in our mastermind group for Credit Council Elite, then what we teach you there is the four-step process, educate, fix, build, leverage, understanding how the banks and lenders are judging you so you know how to play the game of credit, fixing credit very quickly. I'm talking hours, up to 10 business days. And then afterwards, being able to build up several six figures, even seven figures in funding. And then once you have all the money in the world, putting it to work and leveraging it, like we've purchased properties with with credit cards, completed all of our remodels with credit, starting e-com businesses with credit, you name it, starting your businesses and so forth to make a stronger ROI. If you have any questions on any of that, check out www.creditcounselelite.com and you can always watch our most recent webinar. But with that being said, we will see you guys on the next episode next Monday. 
Dan, I appreciate it so much, brother. Had a blast with you today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brandon. This is a lot of fun for me too. Love talking about this stuff. Yeah, man, cool. All right, guys, till next time. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.